o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, welcome in, everybody, on a uh, beautiful uh, Thursday. A little cloudy, but otherwise really good. Uh, P-Man with you in the house. Ben Byron producing today's show. Hey, Ben. Uh, and then we've got uh, intern Joe, Casey, here as well. Uh, we've got Mike Oresco coming our way in just a little bit. Mike Oresco is the uh, commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. I think there's a lot of things we could talk to Mike Oresco about today. Ben, if you had to say, as we uh, bring you in here for the convo, a little host chat with uh, the producer, and I'll say it. I'll say the co-host of this fine radio program. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah, so, I mean, that's big for me. That's uh, big for co-host-ish. me. Co-host-ish. But, Ish. uh... But um, I'll take it. But uh, what would you say a burning question that Mike Oresco could answer would be? Sure, I'm sure Houston would get brought up in the in the tournament. I think Houston to the final, possibly going to the Final Four. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think you have uh, this transfer portal and no penalty to transfer. Like this is not going to make a huge deal to anybody around here. But Radford's whole team is in the transfer portal. I saw Central. They had 10 players in the transfer portal. So, funny you bring that up because what do we hear all the time about Lavelle Moten? Oh, how great Lavelle Moten is. Yeah. Um, I mean, Radford, that guy wins. Yeah. I think Mike Jones is his name. They win games. Now, the flip side of that, you're playing in a low major league and you have to go to school and live in Radford, Virginia. He's had a few recent tournament well, appearances. I mean, they made the yeah. tournament. And they've got a nice little culture. I mean, look, Central and, and Moton has a nice little culture. Yeah, they even had an ESPN doc this past year, like a little mini-series. Right. And I like, I mean, the, the times I've dealt with Lavelle Moton, fabulous. Fabulous. I, I I, find it odd he has not gotten a job yet somewhere else, but it's hard to get out of those uh, HBCUs traditionally as a coach. I mean, it's just the way it is. People that know basketball will tell you that. It's not right. I mean, it's right. It's just sometimes hard to get out of there into another job. Yeah. Robert Jones, the guy up at Norfolk State, great coach. As he proved, you know, they won a game. They beat App State. And they took, now they got hammered, but they didn't back down from Gonzaga. You know, problem is that those HBCUs, nobody will play you, especially if you're any good, like Central has been and like Norfolk State has been. But I'll tell you this. It's a year where you don't have, there's no penalty if you, I mean, why wouldn't you leave? You don't have to sit out. Why wouldn't you go somewhere? Even if, even if you're in a situation that other people perceive like Central or like Radford that are quote-unquote good situations. 
Look, UNLV makes sense. I saw they had a lot of guys in the transfer portal, too. Well, they got a new coach. Yeah. But, I mean, Guy Radford's been there a while. Lavelle Moton's not going anywhere right now. You know? That's a – so, look, I, I, I'm i anxious to, to get see what the commissioner of the American, Mike Oresco, is going to say on that because that's kind of a big – that's a big deal, I think. Uh, what else is the NBA trade deadline? That's kind of your guys' territory, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little Anything bit. Anything good happen? Uh, it was a little disappointing. Uh, the biggest move was probably Aladipo to the uh, to the Heat. I don't think, uh, you know, the NBA trade deadline, occasionally you'd get like it seemed like back in the day. Usually always disappointing here yeah, of but, recent but, years. But you'd get one, maybe one big trade where somebody who wanted to make a playoff push. Yeah. Or make a rarely did you see anybody deal anybody towards we need this piece to get a championship. You would see that more in baseball. Yeah. Or you do see that more in baseball. I would argue baseball's trade deadline until recent years is usually a lot more exciting. Because you'll go get a pitcher if you're a major league team yeah. and, you, and you need another arm. Or you'll go get that other bat. You saw David Price in like his prime yeah. kind of get dealt mid season. But in the NBA rarely do you see it. I but it seemed like occasionally back in the day you'd see maybe a disgruntled guy get traded or a guy whose contract was – but, I mean, that was – I'm talking maybe a generation ago. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the biggest names today was Vucevic from Orlando and Gordon from Orlando and Aladipo, and that was about it. The Aladipo thing's interesting because that's the second time he's been traded. Yeah, this and will if, be his third team this year. And if you're thinking, all right, Victor Oladipo, he was the All-American at Indiana yep. at IU. Uh, got drafted by who drafted him originally? Magic. Did they? Thanks, Casey. And uh, he wound up at Indiana. Was that a trade? Yeah, he came. So he from winds up at Indiana. OKC, I believe. Or so, okay. So point is, this is he's been at Orlando twice. Yeah. So he goes from Orlando to OKC to Indiana. Yep. Because he was part of the playoff P trade. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. You Did got it. that right? There you go. Playoff P. <laughs> Terrible nickname. I'll by stick the way. with PG thirteen. I like PG. Terrible nickname, more. by the way. <laughs> playoff P, because never does that guy perform. Never in the shows out in the playoffs. Never shows out in the playoffs. Paul George, we're speaking of there. But and I, I do agree. PG thirteen is an actual better name. I love that. That nickname. is a pretty cool. That's nickname. one of the best. Playoff P trash. And the claw, I like the claw for Straight Kawhi. Up trash. <laughs> ah, all right, that's okay. But um, Oladipo then was in Indiana with the Pacers and I guess was a little disgruntled. And so they traded him to the Rockets, right? That was part of that deal that landed uh, the beard in New Jersey, right? Yep. Or Brooklyn. You got it. I'm old school. I still think of them as the New Jersey Nets playing in the Meadowland. <laughs> and then uh, now he gets traded to who? Uh, from Houston to Miami. Miami. Oh, they're, Miami. They're looking to make a title run. So maybe this will be the thing. It's a that good situation for him down in Miami. Oh, yeah. Eric Spolstra knows what he's doing. They've got a nice little collection of players down there. Uh, the the next big room is that they're looking to get Lamarcus Aldridge because his contract's getting bought out by the uh, Spurs. Is that right? Yeah. Seems like that's been rumored to be happening for years. Yeah, for years. Yeah. <laughs> Can Aldridge still play? A old, isn't he? I have no idea. I'm sure he still averages a double double. Casey, maybe. look up the stats for Lamarcus Aldridge this year and tell us what they are. Get on it. Because he, he was old like a couple of years ago. 
I mean, we've had the COVID and everything now in this I world. I forgot so he was in, still in San Antonio. I just forgot about San Antonio in general. What's going on with Pop? Is he all right? Has he made it through uh, COVID? Quarantine? I'm sure COVID, uh, I'm sure uh, Pop will have uh, told you today's Biden press conference was a real humdinger. Yeah, and he would have told me my question was stupid. Exactly. Exactly. Do we have Aldridge numbers yet? All right, what do you got? Let's uh, intern Joe. What do we have for Lamarcus Aldridge numbers? So he's played twenty-one games, thirteen point seven points, four point five total rebounds. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I'm a little shocked he's averaging fourteen a game. Ben, are you? I knew he was averaging double figures at least. But how, uh, how many years has he been in the league? Look that up, intern Joe. Probably over ten years. I think it's probably. I'm gonna go all right, pl- all right, ten and a half over under Ben. I'm going the over. I'm going thirteen. Well, wait a minute. You just said 10. No, th- I, 13 just popped up in my head. I'm going 13. All right. Over, under, I go. I, all right. Well, wait, let me reset the over, under then. Okay. Over, under, 12 and a half. I'm going to go. Over. I'm going to take the under. All right. Okay. What do we have? Right. What do we have? Joe, intern Joe, what do we have? How many years in the league? This is year 14. He was ah, pay up. Did he go? He Was he a guy that came out uh, no college? No. Where'd he go? Texas. That's right. He, he didn't go all four years, though, did he? Three. Wow. Dude's old. Been playing forever. To be averaging 14 and be, wow. No wonder the. the he's, kinda, nobody, kinda, he's got like an old school type of game. No though. wonder nobody's heard anything from the Spurs this year. A guy who's been around for 100 years is averaging 14 for him. They still got DeRozan. Yeah. What happened to DeRozan? Whoa. Casey says he sucks. I heard what he said. I heard that. Now, now, it's a family show, boys. All right. those are, That's the most NBA talk since the Pascal days, and we're not going to talk anymore. I think that's enough. NBA. That's more than enough NBA. That's more than enough NBA uh, talk. Uh, ECU baseball, no surprise, uh, really was moved. Uh, obviously, Coach Godwin and other coaches in the state all have great relationships, and that's why you're able to put these things together. It is interesting they're going on the road to play two games against Elon. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was surprised that they had gotten this far into the season without, not necessarily ECU, but an opponent having a COVID issue. I thought you might see one with Illinois State, but then I think things have kind of cooled off yeah, a little especially bit. especially the, the smaller Midwest. schools. But I do think, I'm not surprised with St. John's coming out of the Northeast, and I don't mean to cast dispersions here. They're in Queens, right? I mean, they're... They're in New York. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say where they're specifically. I right, Google that. Get on that, Casey. Where is? I really think it's Queens. Where's the St. John's campus? Let us know. Let us know. I need. I should have Casey come over here and look other stuff up for me because I have people texting me asking me questions that they have to know, and, <laughs> and I don't. I don't have time to. I'm not going to be like McGee and Hinton and answer my text on the air. Staten Island. Is that Queens? No. No, that's not even close to Queens. Have you, ever been, about New have you York? ever been to New York? It says private university in Queens. I see it on Google right here. Have you ever been to New York? I'm not. I'm not. No, no, you. Never. never. You would not do well. I, I think you might have. You think so? I think you might I hit. I think I str- get along with the people there. You'd hit the struggle bus. You'd hit the struggle bus in a big way in New York. Everyone knows my loyalty lies in Boston. I know. You're, yeah. Well, that's the other problem. You're so Boston that you would have a major problem. You'd have a major problem. Welcome me with open arms there. Yeah, they might. They might. Uh, any NFL today, Ben? You know, that's been an active uh, market, too. Anything else? The biggest in the NFL is Malcolm Butler going to the Cardinals. And I, I hate to say it, Malcolm Butler I stinks. Saw that. I saw that. Well, he's Super Bowl MVP, right? 
Yeah, and he kind of fell off after well, I that. I mean, I, are you a Super Bowl MVP? No, I'm a I'm a rec league MVP. Want to score them? You're the, the producer and the co co host ish of the show. Yeah, I could play to five. Yeah, you can, can't you? <laughs> uh, you know, but look, Mal- is Malcolm Butler still trading on uh, being a Super Bowl MVP? Is that why? Is that why teams are signing him? Can yes, he, can he's, he cheap. he's cheap. He's cheap. He's got cheap. experience. Why not? He's cheap and he's got experience. And look, let me tell you, it's Arizona, right? The Cardinals are loading up for this year. Oh, yeah. This is not a we're going to develop Murray still and we're going to draft some nice young guys and we're going to bring them along. Going this to is, Super Bowl. This is, this is the GM and the coach have been told you've got to win or you're not going to have a chance. Grabbing old guys. They're, I mean, they're giving they're a lot of older yeah. guys on that roster. Especially on the defense. The defense is old. See, I think they would tell you it's veteran. Ah, it's old. J.J. Watt, will he play? Over under on games played for J.J. Watt this year, I'll set it at uh, 12 and a half. Oh, I, okay, I'll have it under, under. You'll take the under? I'll take the under, too. There's no way he makes it <laughs> the whole season. There's just no way. A lot of weight on his shoulders. But they have a ton of old guys just on that team. That's a veteran team now. Chandler Jones sticks out to mind. And look. Like 35. If you're going to win in that division, you better have some guys that can play and that are older, right? The Rams with Matthew Stafford now. I like what the Rams have done. Niners are loading up. Especially on the offensive line. Especially if the Niners get your guy. uh, Minshew. Oh, they're winning the Super Bowl if they get Minshew. I'm telling you right now. Big step over to Garoppolo. Gardner Minshew headed to, uh, to the 49ers, huh? The rumor. That's, that's, the rumor. that's the rumor. Not official. And then uh, you got Seattle. Seattle's always good if Russ is still in the mix. I wonder what's going to happen there. See, that's that's kind of the low key thing that to me uh, that simmered down a little bit though in the last week. I've always said about Russ. I mean, he's the difference between them being a playoff team and being just completely in shambles. Well, he's the difference between being a Super Bowl contender and yeah. being in shambles. <laughs> I mean, You're exactly right. Team. I mean, he's he's that fantastic. That defense is. Uh, we have not talked. Had we not had a chance just because of the way the ebbs and flows of the show, but obviously the Deshaun Watson thing. There's, there's no news in that today, is there? But that's. And I guess I read you might have posted this on the social media where the Panthers are still saying they're interested. Still, the same the same teams that have been involved this whole kind of period are still trying to get Watson. Gosh, isn't that interesting? It seems like a huge risk to me. No, just, I, I don't it, want them anymore. <sighs> That's not a good situation. Plenty of quarterback talent in the draft. You can dodge a bullet, maybe, possibly. It's just, but I mean, did there's one of two things that's, and I mean, this has been speculated on on NFL Twitter and other Twitter. Did the did the Texans know about this and sit on it, or is somebody that did know about it leaked it? Yeah, or is fueling it? I, I think the latter is a lot less likely. But I mean, this just this is not good. This is very disappointing. I would hate to think that that many people are lying. I mean, you would have to think there's some truth in there somewhere. That's a lot of, what is it, 14? I think it's more than that. I think it went up to 17. And then his lawyer says, well, one of them is lying. <laughs> oh, yeah, one of them. <laughs> right, one of them, is, one of them is lying. The other 29, I can't, but that one is lying. <laughs> we know for a fact one is lying. That just That does not seem like a good situation. Asking that guy to be the leader of your team, the leader of your locker room, you just you can't have that. And see, I don't care whether you're in Houston or you're in Charlotte or you're in Green Bay or that's such a national deal that 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 story hounds you as it should wherever you go. I just, you know, 
there's nowhere you can, you can't you can't avoid the media in the, in that in yeah. the and and they will be bloodthirsty. That it just does not seem like a good situation if you're the Panthers that you want to go that route. Well, you think at some point the league might even have to step in. You might well, why see some suspensions. Yeah, I mean, why I, they I'm anticipating uh, some suspensions. And the other thing is this. I mean, look, I know the guy second half of the season couldn't play a lick. I tend to think it's because he was a little banged up. But as uh, intern Ryan has dubbed him, two possession Teddy. Stick with what you got. Let him bring somebody up. <sighs> yeah, I mean, why not? A bridge quarterback. You, we know that. You've got a good, very serviceable backup eventually yeah. if you if you keep him around. You know? Yeah. Or you got a guy that can mentor, as you say, a young guy and, and have them ready. Yeah, why not? I mean, you paid him all that money. Why not get some worth out of it, even if it has to do with stuff off the I, field? What did we say we like? Three and out, Teddy? Is that our what we like there? I don't. I like Ryan's term. I, For some just, reason, it, ma- so it makes fitting, no sense. But it makes no sense. From the least sports-centric guy on the staff, it makes no sense. But it's just funny the way he Two possession, he put it. Teddy. You know, he's in here eating like uh, pickled eggs or something yesterday. So, you, I, I, I don't even know how to say what it was. Is the smell still in the control room there, Casey? Can you smell? Because he, he was eating something disgusting yesterday. Which I can't believe Ben was letting him eat in there. I couldn't pronounce it. I, I didn't even couldn't even pronounce what it, what it was. A lot of things you cannot pronounce. If the, if the word has three <laughs> syllables, it's a challenge. All right, uh, we'll grab a break. Uh, Mike Oresco, scheduled to join us here at uh, twenty past. We vamped and really have got nothing accomplished here in the first segment today. But sometimes that's all right. Uh, we'll be back, and uh, Mike Oresco slated to join us. So stay with us. Yeah, hey, baby, you gotta get with it and get lost. Is that? Yeah. Young Lord, reporting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Decatur wears great. Uh, 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson Show, great to have you with us. Um, we're looking at a uh, bit of rain maybe making its way uh, in later on uh, tonight. Uh, 66 is the uh, low for tonight. 20% chance of rain tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. If it doesn't rain, we'll be in really good shape. Uh, no uh, rain in the forecast tomorrow night for high school football, so that's a good thing. Uh, chance of showers on Saturday, 30%. Shocker. 78 uh, is the high. Saturday, a chance of uh, showers Saturday night, that is, uh, 40% shot. Then Sunday, uh, 79 and uh, that's actually the best rain day, 60% chance of showers or a thunderstorm on a Sunday into Sunday night. But uh, it'll be a lot cooler than it has been on Monday, sunny and 64 degrees. Right now, out of the airport, 77. Let's go to the phone lines. It's always a treat whenever we are joined by the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. He is Mike Oresco. Mr. Commissioner, how are you? Hi, Patrick. How you doing? Hope all's well. Hope yeah. you and your family are doing well, and all your listeners are, too. Well, we appreciate staying it. well. Yeah, we are. We appreciate it very much. Uh, and uh, it uh, is nice to hear from you, but it was good to see you on Zoom uh, the uh, other week during the uh, press avail that you held. So it was good to uh, catch up with you there as, uh, as well. Uh, some questions from that, some other questions to talk about. Lots happening here. Uh, let's start with uh, Houston, and uh, they're in the Sweet 16. Uh, and this has to be, from a basketball perspective, very exciting because uh, they're certainly a legitimate Final Four team. 
Yeah, they really are, Patrick. And that was a gritty win over Rutgers. Uh, that was that just showed the kind of team it is and the kind of culture as. Uh, Kelvin uh, Sampson said after the game, the kind of culture they built there, you know, they just, they don't give up. They find a way to win. Uh, and, you know, Dijon uh, Giroux was just spectacular with that hip injury and, and making the plays he did. And, uh, you know, Quentin Grimes uh, jammed his elbow on one of the, the plays and came right back and, and hit a huge three after missing some free throws. Uh, you know, it, it didn't look good for a while there, certainly, but, uh, you know, they'll have a tough time. They'll have their hands full with Syracuse with that, that zone defense that they play. And the fact they've got a couple of hot shooters, including uh, Jim Bayheim's son, Buddy, yeah. uh, it'll be a tough game. And, uh, but, you know, they, they, have a, they have a path to the Final Four. There's no question about it. And, you know, they've, they've done well the last few tournaments. You know, we didn't have a tournament last year, of course, but the year before they took Kentucky right to the end uh, in the Sweet 16. And prior to the year before that, of course, they lost that heartbreaker to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that was just uh, that was just a horrible gut gut wrenching thing for for them and and for all of us. But um, you know they they could have easily gone to the championship game. Michigan did go to the championship game that year. Uh, so again, a good program that that Kelvin's built there. And I you know I we have high hopes, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Cougars and Orange Saturday night at 9.55. So that'll be uh, kind of the final game of the Sweet 16 round uh, that'll be played, and then uh, on to the uh, Elite Eight, um, or I should say the uh, the Saturday uh, uh, day of uh, Sweet 16 games. Of course, there's game Sunday. Do you think uh, with, the sweet, with the Elite Eight being in prime time, is that something we might see in the future? I know it does help that you're talking about the tournament being held in, in one centralized venue. Uh, but uh, and that's the, re- the way it has to be. But uh, I, I'm kind of stoked about, and I understand Sunday's a big TV day in sports, but I'm, I'm a little stoked about primetime Elite Eight basketball. That kind of is exciting to me. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, well, having, having, you know, having done this at CBS for 16 years, you know, I can't speak for them because I'm not there anymore and things change, you know, but that, that Sunday slot, you know, that Sunday slot uh, for the, the final elite eight game was really very, very important. You know, it, it led into 60 minutes. It, I don't know whether they, you know, they would want to give up that or not. I have no idea. Right. Uh, I do think like everything else in this, in this COVID, you know, situation, you're going to be reviewing things that you did in the past. Uh, now, I think the ratings suffered a bit by virtue of, of the second round going into Monday. And, uh, you know, that I think would be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would happen if the, the uh, finals were Monday? The problem is Monday is a big entertainment night for TV, you know, entertainment night, just as, as Thursday is. So I just don't know how that would work when the committee sits down and talks to, right. you know, the TV people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think everything has to be re- reexamined because, uh, you know, it, there's different ways you can now do things. Now, I, and he, they've even talked about it. You may have heard, I think Dan Gavitt mentioned that, uh, would they, would they consolidate sites more than they have in the past? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Once COVID's over, you know, you, you, this tournament's a national tournament. And I, I like the idea that it, it, you know, these sites were all over the country and it got people involved everywhere. And to just have them in one area while I know it's great to have all the teams in one place. Right. Uh, at times, you know, I think you miss out on something because it is well, a national tournament. You know, you you know this as well as anybody. I mean, 
this is a state that is used to seeing uh, usually every three years uh, either Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, and at least three out of every four seeing so, having uh, so that to me that's a great part of this state's sports history is is having the NCAA tournament at one of those venues or one of those cities. Uh, you would want that to continue. I mean, there's been some historic games played uh, in the NCAA tournament in the state. So uh, I, I'm kind of like you. I like the idea of it spreading uh, out again. But uh, there, there's, I think this has been, at least from my perspective, handled very well. I know there's people who are quick to criticize. Uh, we've got Commissioner Mike Oresco on uh, with us here from uh, the AAC. What is the financial uh, potential if Houston were to make the Final Four for the conference? Well, you, you you pick up units each each win up to the final four. Once you get into the final four, you know you're, you're done with with your units. But uh, you know, obviously, earning units for the conference is is valuable. If they win a few more games, they would they would get some more. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, that that's the financial impact. You know, we uh, we'd like, as you know, we'd like to get more teams in the tournament. We've had as many as four. We think that down the road we could be a five or sixteen. You know. Uh, five or six team bid league. And that's what I'm hoping for down the road, maybe even more, but uh, there would be some financial impact if they continue on. And also it's just great for them. It's great for the program. It's great for the prestige, you know, of the conference. If you can have a team, you know, go that far, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a stellar regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we had COVID interruptions. We had just as everyone else did, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to play non-conference games that we would ordinarily have had. Uh, we had some teams that were, you know, struggling early and then came on, but didn't have enough in their resumes to make the tournament. Uh, but we always knew from the very beginning that Houston was you know, obviously really good, and nothing they've done since has, you know, has changed that opinion. So we'll see what happens. Mr. Commissioner, it strikes me that the American, out of all of, uh, and I'm sure there were others, but the American really, really suffered from not having those non-conference availabilities as a whole in basketball this year. Uh, in other words, I think the in-league games, which are valuable, would have been from a uh, an RPI or, or, or just from the metrics of determining strength of schedule would have been, you know, quad one, whatever, would have been a lot more valuable had the league had a chance to have a normal regular season. That, that seems a little you know, speculative, but I just, with the, if it just, I don't know. Just to me, it seems like if it had been a normal season, teams like SMU and, and Memphis might have had a chance to make a little more hay and, and strengthen their resume. I don't think there's much question about it, Patrick. But the other, there's a, a larger underlying issue for us. We uh, have tried for a number of years now to strengthen our non-conference schedules. You know, we don't have the typical challenges that you know the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big Twelve, some of the others have. Uh, and we're working on it. We have an alliance with the SEC, a, a, a scheduling alliance, which has helped us generate some important games. Uh, our teams work hard to schedule quad one top teams in, in you know in other conferences. But we're going to continue. You know, Brian Thornton, our, our uh, he's relatively new. He's been thrown into the fire. He's done a phenomenal job for right. us mm-hmm. organizing men's and women's basketball. Uh, Brian and I are going to work hard in the off season to see where we are with non-conference scheduling. We, you know, we had approached uh, over the years some conferences regarding challenges, and we thought at one point we had made a lot of progress and then it didn't, didn't pan out. But now, you know, now that we have, you know, some teams that are, you know, clearly on the cusp uh, of being really outstanding, 
we, we hope we can arrange something like that because that'll obviously help you. Right, right now, you know, you have to think, you know, long term. You know, we had some upheaval at Wichita, but Isaac Brown's come in and done a fine job. You know, Penny Hardaway really, I think, got his footing at Memphis, and they came on at the end of the season, and they would have been a hard team uh, to eliminate in the tournament had they been able to make it. Right. They didn't have the quad one wins. You know, uh, there's some turmoil at Cincinnati. You know, SMU just had a lot of tough breaks with COVID and other things, weren't able to play the number of games. But they have a very good team. And the league is really good. You're right, though. If you don't win those non-conference games, you don't tend to get the respect that you, uh, you you need and that you you deserve, and that's what's really helped us in football. Obviously, we've won those big non-conference games. We've been able to play in big bowl games and either win or be competitive, and it makes a huge difference in perception. And football's even harder in some ways, uh, but we we've got to do that in basketball as well. And we've been doing that in women's basketball too. We're trying to you know upgrade our women's basketball, and we have, and we you know, we had a few tournament teams this year. We expect down the road to get a few more. Houston was right there. They were the last team out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to look hard at, at how we schedule. We, we did mandate certain scheduling, um, you know, protocols several years ago, and that's worked fine, you know, and uh, we do the best we can. And, and I think in the end, we'll, we'll gain more respect. You know, we've had four teams, you know, in, in you know, various years. And this year just wasn't wasn't the kind of year you expect to have. Now, everybody had, had covid you know, it was affected by COVID and we got probably affected a little more toward the end than other conferences. You know, we had some teams go on hiatus, as you know, go on pause and, and that really hurt. And we tried to reschedule some of it, some of it we were able to, some of it we weren't. Uh, but next year it's a, it's a clean slate and we'll see what happens. Commissioner Mike Oresco is uh, joining us here. Patrick Johnson show, uh, bottom of the hour. And uh, we've got the commissioner here for uh, a little bit with us. Uh, we appreciate his time. Uh, will you be headed uh, at what, what are you able to attend in Indianapolis should Houston make the final four or games this weekend? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'd be able to. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick. Absolutely. And I would, Um, I would. I'm curious about, uh, you know, the, the complaint from uh, the Memphis fan base slash media and maybe to SMU, but it really seemed like it was strong coming from Memphis was that the league did not do enough to give them, a a chance to reschedule games to to boost their numbers up on their resume, uh, you know. And I, I I will be the first to admit I don't know the exact complaint. That is sort of my from a distance view that seemed to be what was really the buzz uh, coming from Memphis media on social media and otherwise surrounding the conference tournament. Uh, you know, they'd played Houston to a buzzer beater. They played Houston tough in the in the conference tournament. And they felt like that their case would be, have been strengthened. Uh, had they had more scheduling opportunities, I don't know if they were necessarily looking for a, a game against Houston again. But but your an, your answer to that was interesting to me because the thing I think that is lost in all this, there had the, the the goal, you want to get as many games in as possible, but there had to be some competitive balance. You you can't send a team on the road for seven games. In other words, so that, that could could you maybe address that? Yes, we did. We didn't want to force people to do things. Uh, that would have been disadvantageous, although we did look at what was ultimately you know, best for the conference. And yes, there would have been situations where teams would have been on the road for a number of games in a row. Also, we, we looked at, at some other scenarios, uh, and uh, we thought there was an issue of competitive equity in terms of, of the conference race, in terms of teams playing quite a few games more than other teams. Uh, it was complicated. We spent a good couple of weeks with with schedule changes. We were able to get Wichita. 
a game on the final weekend. You know, they didn't have one because of what happened with SMU that week, and uh, uh, they didn't have one on the weekend. And so we were able to get South Florida to go there, and they were nice enough to do it. And uh, we we worked on some some situations with Memphis that didn't didn't pan out. You know, yeah, just have to deal with the, the fallout sometimes from the fan base because they look and they say, you know, they don't think they necessarily, you know, understand the machinations, but you're not about to start throwing people under the bus. And, and you know, right. this is this is just a scheduling issue that you have to work through. You try, We tried to be as fair as we could possibly be. And ultimately, you know, we had a protocol, too, that if uh, you had a game postponed and you weren't – it was the, the other team that, that had the COVID issue and couldn't come – and we would, you know, the team that was supposed to have the home game would get it. And that's why Memphis ended up playing at Houston that final weekend. Of course, we had to you kind know, of educate fan base that that was our protocol from the very beginning, and we weren't going to we weren't going to change it. So, you know, there were a lot of nuances to the scheduling down the stretch. We we did the best we could to to make sure that. Uh, and if we hadn't gotten Wichita that final game, who knows what? You know, they they did make right. the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Memphis needed to beat Houston once. You know, they had a couple of opportunities. It was unfortunate that they weren't able to for their sake. I mean, obviously, uh, congratulate Houston on the wins. They were incredible games, by the way. They were two of the better games of the year. Yeah, in any really conference, were. Yeah, really. Yeah. In all Memphis was a good team by the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I didn't. I, what I didn't want to do is really get into the weeds and start getting into right. all the different machinations. It was a couple of rough couple of weeks trying to figure it all out. But we, we did get through it. And, uh Wichita was our, our ended up being our, our league champion. Uh, it was close between uh, the percentages between Houston and Wichita, which ended up playing fewer games, but we did have a threshold. You had to play a certain number of games sure. to qualify for sure. the league title. Uh, so that's really, uh, that, that was pretty much how that panned out. Did you have a feel that, that Wichita was going to indeed, I mean, they essentially were in, uh, in that sort of last four group, I would assume, based on the game they had to play in the, in the first four. But when you had that press availability, there was a very realistic kind of possibility, according to the prognosticators, unless they shifted it at the last moment, that, that Wichita was going to have a hard time getting in. Um, obviously, in reality, they did. Were they going to be? Was there any discussion with you to put any, even Memphis or SMU, on a that reserve list? Uh, how, how was that ever discussed between the committee and, and the conference on any level? Oh, when you say reserve list, Patrick, I'm not sure. Uh, well, the you know, like Louisville, for example, St. Louis, they were on the list of standby list, if you will. Oh uh, yeah, no, that, that's strictly up to the committee. You know, okay. we we obviously can can lobby the committee. We can have we have some conferences with the committee, and we can talk about the strengths of our teams. But in the end, they they pick the uh, the first four in and the five, you know the right. first four out. Right. And if you're if you're in the first four out, which uh, you know we weren't, and you obviously if something happens COVID related up till. Because it was Tuesday night. It was yeah, the Tuesday tournament. at six. Yeah, you, you could mm-hmm. you could be replaced. Other than that, you you won't be replaced. But uh, you know, on, on that when I did the conference call that that day, you know, we we knew that Wichita losing, you know, you know, in the um, you know to Cincinnati in the semis might might be a factor. But we also felt that they were conference champions, and our conference is a good conference. It doesn't always get the respect it deserves, but it, it's a good conference. Uh, we were in the position, uh, Patrick, the Pac-12 was in a few years ago when they were in danger of being a one-bid league. Remember right. that? I do. And yeah. uh, you know, and they, I think they ended up getting two teams. We could have been in a position to steal a bid had Memphis beaten Houston because Houston would have been in. But would Memphis have stolen Wichita's bid? We don't know. You know, no one's going to ever know that. 
so we're not sure. Ideally, it would have been nice to, to get three teams in. We thought we had a, an outside shot of that. But we also didn't want to be a one-bid league. You just don't, you just don't want that to happen. Uh, but it, it can turn around quickly. You see the Pac-12 this year doing extremely well. We've got things in place in our conference. You know, Joe Dooley's an outstanding coach at ECU. You know, Ron Hunter's an outstanding coach at Tulane. And they're programs that obviously don't have a lot of the built-in advantages that some of the other programs have or the, certainly that the Blue Bloods have. But they're, they're, they're really good coaches, and they're going to be in the fight for tournament slots down the road. Uh, I think the same thing with uh, with UCF, with Johnny Dawkins. There's been a little little turmoil at South Florida. Brian mm-hmm. Gregory had been yeah. doing a pretty good job there. Uh, but, but you know, we expect when you have teams like Cincinnati, Wichita, Memphis, Houston, uh, SMU, you would expect that, that, you know, several of those teams would be in the tournament year after year. You know, we were automatic with Cincinnati with Mick Cronin there. And John Brandon has obviously had to redo the program, and I don't know where it stands right now. Um, he had a young team. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I had their game here. About the transfers yeah. and all. We don't yeah. know exactly what's happening there yet. But we've got enough teams, and Temple, too. Temple's had a great history and pedigree. Uh, And Aaron McKee, you know, again, the COVID year, you sort of have to throw that out the window and then hope that next year uh, you get a better sense of where your teams are. Commissioner Mike Oresco is with us. You brought up the transfers. Uh, I wanted to to ask you about this uh, portal. Uh, We're obviously keeping an eye uh, on that. There's an ECU player in there uh, who's going as a grad student. and there are uh, other teams in the American that uh, you know, several guys are are in said portal. Uh, this is a – we were talking about it before. I mean, there are teams, North Carolina Central in this state, which has a pretty highly respected coach in Lavelle Moton. That's a program that's had success. Well, virtually all that team is in the portal now. Um, is this a mechanism of that there's just no penalty? Is this why you're seeing whole teams even – Stable situation because I realize there are teams. UNLV's got a lot of guys in there, but they've had a coaching change. Is, is this a year that is a harbinger of what we're going to have to come, where whole programs, whole rosters wind up in this transfer portal, or, or is this just the way it is this year because of the times? In, in your estimation, no, Patrick. I suspect it might be the wave of the future. I, I hope not, but I suspect it might be. When you when you eliminate the residency requirement, the one year residency requirement, you know, then a lot changes, you know, and and decisions can be made, you know, whether they're good decisions or bad decisions, they can be made, you know, quickly. Uh, you know, there, there's obviously a tendency to, um, you know, to look at other places. You know, is the pasture greener? Uh, what what the, the the one year residency requirement is done. It it, it made you know it, it it caused you know student athletes to have to acclimate to their new school to the academic aspects of the new school, and second it it created stability for some you know for for rosters you know you you were less likely to transfer or let's say you had an argument with a coach or you had one bad day or you had you know these are kids too I mean mm-hmm. we, these are young young men you know and and. Uh, Okay, let's say you you then say, well, I don't have to sit out, so I can just transfer. You know, I'm I'm out. Uh, I think the lack of stability in the programs is going to. I think we already had double the number of uh, players in the transfer portal. I don't necessarily think that's a COVID-related thing. I think that's what's going to happen without the residency requirement. Uh, and that doesn't suggest. I'm not suggesting that. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be poaching or any of that. But but you're gonna have to recruit all your players 365 days a year. 
And there are a lot of reasons why somebody might transfer. You know, I'm not I'm not a psychologist, and and you know, obviously there are some teams that are that need players and they're attractive. There are other teams where you think you fit better. There are all sorts of reasons why you might transfer, but it is going to make roster stability really a challenge. And and we're going to have to look at all the various rules surrounding, you know, the the head count, you know, the number of uh, scholarships, all of that to, to make sure that we can, you know, we can be fair to our schools, because what if you lose half your roster or lose your whole roster? Right. Now for the mid majors, I would think the situation could be pretty dire if, if some of those student athletes want to play at, you know, at, at a, you know, a so-called, you know, power level. And then we consider it a power seven with us. If you, if you know, it could cut both ways for us. I mean, we could benefit in some ways from the transfer portal. It could hurt us in some ways. We were pretty adamant about keeping the residency requirements several years ago because we thought it would really have, you know, an effect on our conference if it went away. You know, I understand, you know, the coaches can move around and I understand the desire. Um, you know, the people say, well, you know, that the players should be able to do that too. But there's also something to be said for the stability of rosters and the stability, you know, even, you know, you know, the teammates who then find themselves with gaping holes in their roster and, They've got to carry on. Uh, it, it 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 cuts both ways. It really does. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a, a real challenge for everyone, Patrick. There's, yeah. there's no getting around it. No, I don't think this is necessarily an aberration. Uh, once once you eliminate that residency requirement, I think you know you're going to have a lot more people in the transfer portal. Now, whether some come back, who knows? Right. You know, I don't know. Does this stay that way, or or, or what's your feeling? Or does this penalty to transfer go away or do you think it, it, it returns? I mean, it seems to me hard to get the proverbial genie back in the bottle on this. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a penalty. It was a disincentive though, certainly to transfer. And, and also it made you think about it. Well, you that's know? You I, really, and you're right. My you wording really there. want to transfer. Yeah, my you wording really wasn't right, you, but you know. I, that's my whole point. I think that's why you see whole rosters jumping in because why not test the waters of interest? But it just seems to me it's, you got a lot of guys who normally would not even dream of transferring because again, there, there are, you, you have to sit out a year. I just wonder if this is the wild west because you don't have that to have to sit out a year or if, you know, will this, will this return to some form of normality or, or is this the new normal? I think it might be a new normal. It might be, it's free agency essentially for that one time, one time only. You know, you, but do you think it becomes would, an annual it, thing? Where you'd you... have to sit out. Okay. So yeah, you... I think it's going to be probably happen. Look, the basketball uh, transfer portal has been pretty full the last few years, regardless right. of this. Right. And in football too. Now you're going to see, you know, uh, the same thing happen in football, maybe to a somewhat lesser degree, because uh, you know there's so many more basketball programs, you know, 350 roughly. Mm-hmm. But still, you're going to. And, and again, you have a real. Uh, uh, as you know, you know the the difference between the mid major and major in basketball pretty significant, and you know I don't know that it's quite as significant in football. And obviously, you're dealing with a lot fewer teams, but yeah, no, I think it is going to be uh, essentially a, a new normal, and and I'm not sure it's necessarily in a lot of ways a good one, because I think there's something to be said for stability of rosters. I think there's something to be said for for having a you know a student athlete, a young person have their, their minds concentrated about, okay, what am I doing? Am I really doing the right thing? You know, just because I may have had, you know, a bad week with, with, uh, you know, the coach, or I may have had right. you know, whatever, uh, is there, you know, or I think the grass is greener somewhere. Uh, is that necessarily the right thing to do? You know, these studies have been done that, you know, academic, 
you know, pursuits which are important can be interrupted. And, you know, I don't, I think the transfer situation does not generally yield the same academic results, but you could argue that both ways. And uh, it's just, again, it's, it, it could you use the term wild west. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it you're going to see a lot of movement, uh, I think, and uh, we'll see how, how it's handled. Going to be tough on coaches. You know, you, you want, I don't know whether that's going to, can, you know, be a, an issue for retention of coaches, especially in football. I mean, do, do, a lot of those coaches could easily coach in the pros or be assistants in the, in the pros. You know, will they have to recruit 365 days a year? They're going to have to worry about a good chunk of their roster. Right. Uh, in addition to, you know, you know, kids who would have transferred and sat out a year. Uh, and, and then how are you going to deal with incoming kids? How are you going to know, you know, how many you're going to lose and, and how many uh, scholars that graduate at some point, you know, the statistics will probably tell you what likely to happen year to year, but you're going to have to probably look at, at adjusting, uh, you know, the hard cap on scholarships and, and you don't want to leave rosters depleted. That's not fair to the kids who remain, you know, the student athletes who remain on the team. You want to make sure that they, uh, they have the ability, you know, to, to have a good roster and to have a good experience. It's, 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 you know, it's about your teammates too. It's not just about the individual. So it's going to be a challenging situation. Commissioner, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, Houston, Syracuse, Saturday night, nine fifty-five, and uh, Houston will try to advance through to the elite eight. Uh, and uh, obviously uh, aspirations to reach the final four. Nice to speak with you. Thank you for the time. We pr- uh, appreciate it greatly. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Patrick. And again, thanks to you. And, and I hope all you, you and your listeners and everybody in the community stays stay well. Thanks again for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. There he goes. Mike Oresco with us. Great to have him on. Uh, we'll take a break. Ben will come back. He'll give you a quick update. And then we'll uh, wrap this thing up. Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, be back after this. <laughs> Ben Barham here for your 94th the Game Sports Update. We have breaking news from Pirate Basketball as freshman Noah Farrakhan has officially entered the transfer portal. Farrakhan averaged three points and one assist this past season for the Pirates. We start. We move on to ECU Baseball as their home weekend series against St. John's has been canceled due to COVID issues within the St. John's program. Instead, the Pirates will take a detour and travel to Elon for a two-game series with a first game set for Friday night at 6 and Saturday at 2. Those games can be heard right here on your one and only flagship station of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. From college basketball, Duke freshman Jameen Brakefield has announced that he would enter the transfer portal. When the NBA, the trade deadline has passed and there's been a few interesting moves. We start with NBA All-Star Nikolai Vucevic being traded from the Magic to the Bulls. Magic will receive Wendell Carter or Otto Porter Jr., two future first-round picks. It didn't stop there for the Magic as they also trade away Evan Foreigner to the Celtics for two seconds. Just when he thought we, we were done with Orlando, they traded away forward Aaron Gordon to Denver in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, projected first round, protected first round pick in 2025. Denver also is acquiring JaVale McGee from Cleveland for two seconds. The Atlanta Hawks sent Rajon Rondo to the Clippers for Lou Williams in two future seconds. The Rockets send former all-star Victor Aladipo to Miami for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a draft pick swap. The Mavericks acquire J.J. Redick. LaMarcus Aldridge's contract has just been bought out by the Spurs. Miami Heat are expected to be front runners to sign the big. Wrapping up with the Carolina Hurricanes, they'll get right back at it tonight as they battle the Columbus Blue Jackets at 7. Canes head coach Rod Brendamore has confirmed that Alex Nadelkovich will start for the second game in a row in the net, while Columbus will start Junis Corposalo. Your 94th of the game sports update. I'm Ben Barn. We'll be back to wrap it up after this quick timeout. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. 
It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Well, I don't think the Farrakhan uh, thing surprises anybody. Do you, Ben? Nope. I think the thing I'm surprised it didn't happen before now. Yeah. To be honest with you. You know... It's unfortunate. No, it is, but I, I think... Tremont Robinson-White obviously played a lot better this year. He's healthy. Stepped up big time, for he sure. He did. He did. Didn't finish the season great, but still played better. You got the kid coming in from BC who could play point. Might not be any room for it. Newton can play the point. I think Newton will be back if, if it's up to Newton. Uh, thanks to Commissioner Oresco. More on this tomorrow, 5 o'clock. We'll see you then.